The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Okay, so we're continuing on Kufyud Gimel, first paragraph of the uh, Halal. And I originally thought that we were going to finish it up today, uh, but what happened was we discovered a bunch of new things. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I guess we'll see where we end up at the end of today. Here's the game plan, okay? A game plan for our 45 minutes, uh, 43 minutes, is uh, um, review the facts, okay? Then before we review the idea, I have two general like pieces of information about the text itself that may or may not be relevant that I need to just throw out there. And I have not investigated, but throw those out there. Then we're going to review the ideas uh, that we did last time, both the, the particular ideas and the general idea. Uh, and I want to try to come up with a main idea for the entire thing and answer the fourth question in Adler's thing about like, um, what's the point or what's the purpose? Because that's going to be the main thing. And if we have time, Tamar left off with questions that she emailed me on the redoc that we did. So if we can answer those, great. But if not, then at least we'll have gotten the main idea. And then we'll see where we are after that. Okay. All right. So let's go. Kufi Gimel. I'm just going to read it in English because uh, we're familiar with Hebrew. So uh, praise God. Praise, O servants of Hashem, praise the name of Hashem. May the name of Hashem be praised from now until forever. From the place where the sun rises to where it sets, praise is the name of Hashem. High above all the nations is Hashem, over the heavens is his glory. Who is like Hashem our God, who raises himself to sit on high, who lowers himself to see in the heavens and on earth. He raises the poor from the dust. From the dung heap, he will raise up the destitute. To seat him among nobles with the nobles of his people, he seats the barren woman in the home. Um... Actually, so we, we realized that that should be translated differently. He transforms he transforms the barren woman into a home. She will become a happy mother of sons, praise God. Yeah, okay, so those are the facts. We're not going to be the ideas yet. Here are the two pieces of, of uh, background information. One is, and I'll say this in a shocking way, uh, I discovered this is plagiarized. <gasps> now, obviously, it's... Yeah. So, and here's the, here's the bigger scandal is you all have read it multiple times because we read it every year and you better be in shul when we read it because <laughs> we read it in shul. Anyone know where it's from? And when I say plagiarize, obviously I mean that he's refer he's intentionally referencing it. Like it would be, it would count as plagiarism in an English class, but like, you know, it's obviously not a sketchy move. I mean, when you say you better have been there to hear it, I think like Zahor, you know? No, not quite, not quite better have been there. <laughs> yeah. Close. Oh, yeah? Rosh Hashanah? Yeah. <laughs> I still have no idea. Shiraz Khana. Ah. Okay. Interesting. Um, and what happened, the way we discovered this was mm. we were, uh, Michael Russo and I uh, were preparing this, and <laughs> Michael Russo said, uh, is this about Khana? Hmm. And I'm like, Why? And he gave some explanation, which I did not accept. And then I realized, wait a minute, something about this, like, reminds me of Hannah. And then I was like, does she say one of these terms? So if you look at Shmuel Aleph, Perik Beis. Uh, that's the Tanakh. Yeah, that's the Tanakh. <laughs> you were a Medayak that I didn't just say to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll, uh, it's a first um, positive in Perik Beis in Shmuel Aleph. Whoever gets the page first. Uh, 
Ah, <laughs> I'm going to read it in English until we get to the parts that are quoted here. Okay. So Hannah Davin and said, my heart exults in Hashem. My pride has been raised through Hashem. My mouth is open wide against my antagonist for I rejoice in your salvation. There is none. Oh, this part we have to read in Hebrew, not for this year, but because of our Monday year. In Kadosh Kadonoi ki in Beltacha ve'in Sur Keloheno. That was one of the psukim I believe that someone quoted in uh, Ta Kadosh uh, in the period we were doing. So there is no, none as holy as Hashem, for there is none besides you, and there is no wrath like our God. Do not abound in speaking with arrogance upon arrogance. Let not haughtiness come from your mouth, for Hashem is the God of thoughts, and men's deeds are accounted by him. The bow of the mighty is broken, while the foundering are girded with strength. The sated ones are hired out for bread, while the hungry ones cease to be so. Now we go, we switch here for to the Hebrew. Uh, uh, in hey, so sevim balechem niskaru ur evim chadelu ad akara yalda shiva v'rabas banim umlala. So that's talking about the akara, right? The uh, barren woman that um, the what is it? The barren woman bears seven, and the one with many children becomes bereft, meaning she's uh, I guess her kids die or something. Um, Hashem memis umechaye morich ol Hashem kills and brings uh, life brings to life, he causes to descend to the grave and he brings up. Hashem morish umashir, mashpil af meromeim. Hashem impoverishes and enriches. He lowers and even exalts. Mekim me'afar dal, me'ashpos yiri mevyon, lo hushivi im nadivim. Right? That's almost word for word. Um, he raises up the poor from the, uh, uh, the sorry, I skipped something. Sorry, he, he, he raises up the poor from the dust, from the uh, dung heap. He lifts up the uh, the destitute, the hoshiv im nadivim, to seat him with nobles. The chise kavod yanchilim, and the throne of glory he will cause them to inherit. Ki ladashem mitzuke eretz v'yashas alehem tevel. For Hashem... Um, to Hashem belong the pillars of the earth, and upon him them he sets the world. I'm going to switch to English now. He guards the steps of his devout ones, but the wicked are stilled in darkness. For not through strength does man prevail. Hashem may those that contend with him be shattered. Let the heavens thunder against them. May Hashem judge to the ends of the earth. May he give power to his king and raise the pride of his anointed one. So the question is, like, what do you do when you find uh, an instance like this where David is uh, a much later person? It could be David, it could be a Navi, is quoting from a much earlier text. Like, how does that affect the way that you learn the the text that you're on? What do you mean, like? Like, should this change anything, or should we just like, cool, man? I mean, maybe we should understand the context of fun. Yeah. So I feel like the non-lazy route that's <laughs> foreshadowed. <laughs> the non-lazy route is David is clearly saying this, knowing. I mean, this this was uh, this was not so long before David, mm-hmm. right? Because this is in Sefer Shmuel, you know. So. I don't know at what point this got like written down and, and disseminated, you know? Uh, and I also don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. And I also know, don't know the timeline of the Tehillim, but like, it's reasonable to assume that he was explicitly referencing this. And then the question is like, you know, what association does he want us to draw to that? You know? Um, and that should be something we use when we're analyzing Tehillim. Is it possible it's just, like, it is just, like, a few words that are the same? Yes. So then that was the other question that we had here. So what do you make of that? So is it possible that it's just, I mean, not a coincidence, but, like, there's some, like, he's not explicitly referencing Hana. They're just both referencing. Yeah, yeah. The referencing, you mean, when you say Hana, you mean Hana or her words? Oh, her words. Yeah, her yeah, words, yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily that he's referencing her. It's just, like, they're both, you know, I don't know. 
using the same lashon you have. As maybe a similar idea, but like, yeah, I I don't know. I, that's where you kind of have to use your intuition. Like I feel like um, like <laughs> like. Uh, I don't know if you saw something that said Yashir David You wouldn't be like, yeah, you know, they were just talking about the same theme and they just happened to use no, like it's clearly a reference, you know. But uh, and this is like this is too verbatim for me to just uh, you know other stuff though. For example, like um, other references, let's say like Hashem Morish. Oh, sorry, no, Hashem Memis Umachai Morish Oviyal. So that's reminiscent of Hazino, okay of um, I think that's the phrase, but they're like, first of all, okay. In other words, like this, first of all, that I'd be comfortable saying more, more like you said, because that's an idea that we know a lot. That's a common idea. God, you know, brings death and brings life. And the, the reason why the, the, the Fardal thing is significant is it does seem like this is the same theme as the Tehillim because the entire second half of this paragraph of, uh, of Shir's Khana is talking about the reversals of states and stuff like that. So, so like, you know, so you're, 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 you're right in principle that like, it might just be, you know, borrowing the language, but not because he wants us to connect it, but it might also be an explicit reference. By the way, that theme that you referenced, yeah. like the reversal. Yeah. Levels, I, it, it's throughout column. It's not just in this paragraph. Like I was noticing it after we. Interesting. After- yeah. I could definitely see it in, uh, like with Israel, right? I can definitely see it there. Uh, I, I, yeah, I gotta, I gotta think and see if, uh, yeah, yeah. And it would make sense that it is with Betis Israel because remember the Redox said that this is a Hakdama to Betis Israel, you know. Um, okay, so that's just something I wanted to throw out there. Oh, the other thing also is the, um, this is less likely in my opinion, but Michael Russo Rindi said, uh, if he's only quoting this part and then changing it, then that is significant. Like the fact, for example, that he doesn't say, he says imnidivin, but not imnidive amo. Mm. I don't think that's significant though. But uh, you know, yeah, yeah I, I, the fact that he leaves out imnidive amo, you know, I don't think it's him. I think like he adds that. No? Oh, sorry. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. He adds it. Sorry, he adds that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that that's uh, so significant. Um, but uh, yeah. So okay. So that that was just background number one. Yeah. I mean, I, I, second, Isaac. Uh, I really yeah. want like you know, sometimes we show him. We'll like say something, and they'll just quote a puzzle yeah just for like i guess stylistic reasons yeah. is it possible yeah that? it is possible it is possible yeah, it seems like why would you do that yeah i mean and this is really where you, you you have to have like a uh not you we lack literary knowledge of uh convention knowledge of literary tanakh conventions you know mm-hmm. like i don't know how frequent this is i don't know what to make of it i don't have data it's just we're, we're kind of like starting on the ground floor here you know yeah. and that's partially why in our approach, I wanted to tell you this just so you know about it, but I didn't let this influence my analysis of Tehillim mm-hmm. uh, because I, I, I feel like we know we can take Tehillim on its own. It's not like it's necessarily this, you know, um, but uh, but like uh, but it's something to keep in mind as we go through Tehillim. Like I have no idea how the common this is in Tehillim. Maybe right. it's more common than I think. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, Isaac, um, what do you think? Yeah. So the fact that it references Hanas Tefillah is – Seems it seems very weird to me because I I, I assumed that that this paragraph to Hillem was like like it's it's um I'd say like the most reasonable thing to me is like um some sort of like Hashgacha Klalis type idea about how Hashem relates to the world um or some something like that I'm saying but um I think this 
this sounds like like if I get referencing Chana, which uh, um, is specifically Hashkacha Pratis, I think, or like you know she's asking for like personal intervention. Um, it seems like a weird thing to be referencing. Well, I don't think so because for two reasons. One is according to the Radak, at least based on what we've learned, according to the Radak, our parak in Halal is about Hashkacha Pratis because it's about it's the Hakdama to Batesi Yisrael Mitzrayim, and number two the changing the barren woman to have kids, he says explicitly is changing the laws of nature. So I think it is about Hashgah Pratis. Yeah. Okay. Second okay. piece. Yeah. Second piece of information, uh, which I have not seen the primary source. I just saw this like right now before the five minutes before Shir. Um, the Malbim quotes the Ibn Ezra. And the thing is, I don't know where he's quoting him from. Malbim quotes the Ibn Ezra as saying, uh, this is in the Malbim on uh, the first Pasuk. Where does he say it? Oh yeah, at the very beginning. Haluka Hamizmorim Ha'ele, these Mizmorim, which I assume he means Halel, Lafi Das Rav Avraham ben Ezra be oh Beperak Arve Psachim. When does the Ibn Ezra wait no Allah's Ibn Azariah? It's gotta be Allah's Ibn Azariah, <laughs> not Ibn Ezra. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. So um wow, that's so strange. I didn't know it was the same abbreviation. Um Rabagel's Ibn Azariah in Perak Arve Psachim, Amram Otikdam Chizki of Isiato. Okay, so he says that uh, Hizkiyahu, who was way later than David, um, and his uh, his uh, his posse, uh, that's how he says it, said these or were misogynies. And it fits, he says. Okay, why? Because there's tefila on someone who's sick, and Hizkiyahu had his whole illness. Uh, giving thanks on the healing. And also Hoda on the destruction of the enemy. And according to the opinion of the one who says it was written earlier, what happens to the kids happens to the, the Avos. When David was uh, was sick, he also uh, asked for help from his enemies. Um, I mean, to be safe from his enemies. Okay. Malbim says, I'm going to explain about the Nisim Hem de Chizkiyahu. And he's saying he's going to do it because it matches the contents and it matches the, the it's in line with Chazal's opinion. And then he divides it all up. So I don't really know. I only know the barest bones about Chizkiyahu and uh, his, uh, his ups and downs, his illnesses and his wars. Um, but just keeping in mind, apparently this is a Shita. I mean, I was prepared to say it's a shita of a region, but apparently it's a shita of a tana. You know that this is a this is a gyao. So just keeping that in mind, also. So again, that's not going to influence our analysis, but you know, just revealing what I found. Okay, so now let's review the ideas we did last time, and then try to like come up with something uh, uh, more um, uh, polished than we did uh, the time uh, last time. Okay, so let's go through it slowly. Halu ka halu avdi Hashem. So the avdi Hashem we said are. The ones who know God. The ones who know God, the Chachamim, right? Because they're the ones who know how to praise Hashem. And it says, Halu Hashem Hashem, praise the name of Hashem. Um, he, which uh, which is um, either the knowledge of Hashem or uh, Hashem's governance of the world. I think here it makes more sense, governance of the world. Yi Shem Hashem Mevorach Me'atav Let the name of Hashem be blessed from now until forever. Wait, why are we saying, sorry, I went to the first passage. Why are we saying, I know I said it, but I was just, <laughs> Why, why did 
why are we saying that Avdeshem are the ones who know God as opposed to those who like are like uh, you know like I don't know serving him? Yeah. So the uh, the Radak we got that from the Radak and the Radak said that it is um uh so doing mitzvos is not going to make you a better mahalal, right. but knowing Hashem will. So you have to, okay, okay. So it's not just like a, like just a philosopher who knows, who has knowledge of God. Like it's all, it's also someone who's going to be wanting. Right. You're, you're, you're a Hashem. Right. Yeah. I think that's why he says you're okay. Hashem. Yeah. 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 Good question though. All right. So then Hashem uh, that may the name of Hashem be blessed forever and ever. So who would we say that was referring to? Everyone else. Uh, yes, but which everyone else? Oh. <laughs> uh, People who have some recognition. People who have some recog- uh, recognition, yeah. So Bar B'nai Das. Uh, and this is going to be further subdivided. But Kol B'nai, uh, the Redox says, Kol B'nai Das Chayavim Levarcho. And I, I said this in passing last time. Uh, but I became convinced that it's a good idea is that um, maybe I didn't say in passing, maybe to elaborate on that Hallel and Bracha are different. Hallel is more of a, an objective recognition of, of, of the greatness of something not tied to good that you get from it. Uh, whereas Bracha is acknowledging that this is uh, Hashem is the source of my good. So when it comes to the Chachamim, the Chachamim are capable of recognizing, of doing Halal, of recognizing God, uh, you know, God in his own terms, not because of how he relates to me. Whereas the regular people are being Mavarech God, just recognizing God as the source of good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I asked a question once about in the third Bracha of Shmoneser, I always thought, like, what's the big deal about that? So God made a bunch of angels who don't have free will, and they praise him. Like, so what? Yeah. And the answer I got was basically... <laughs> you, know, you know we gave Shira on that last night, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's why I'm smiling, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm curious what answer you got, because... The yeah. answer that I got, it was like it was brief. It was kind of like a political conversation, like yeah. parting ways. But it was just basically about the connotation of what hollow means. And, like, it's, like, total, like... Oh, I didn't even think that that's hollow there. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that, that like it's that it's that it's like um, something that's totally totally above you, and even the praise that you're giving, like when you are being middle I guess that you're not even reaching like the full. Uh, yeah, that fits in. I mean, that praise. that does fit in, and definitely if, for if you say Kadoshim is angels, dun, 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 um, then uh, the other option is is, is Pnei Israel. That was the uh, the shocker, but uh, yeah, but um, but if you say it's angels, then it definitely fits this definition. So yeah, good call. Um, all right, then So from the the rising of the sun to the setting, or from the east to the west, may the name of Hashem be praised. So that we said is the Ovde Vodazara. Okay, and the Radak says that they recognize. All of them recognize that God is the higher cause. Uh, the highest cause, and that also fits with Hallel because they're not being Mavarech God; they're being Mavarech the stars and their their idols uh, in terms of recognizing as a source of good. So they're only recognizing God in an abstract. And uh, Tamar was asking, "What exactly does that mean?" And I explained it based on the way we explained the Rambam in Yesod Yesod's Rambam But then over the weekend, I found this quote from uh, Thomas Hobbes in the Leviathan. Okay, <laughs> not that I was reading through that, but I don't even know anything about the Leviathan. But I found this quote uh, that he says, uh, and I thought this was a good uh, uh, expression of this. He's, he's talking about curiosity. He says, curiosity or love of the knowledge of causes. Interesting definition of curiosity. I, I love that. Um, 
uh, love of the knowledge of causes draws a man from consideration of the effect to, to seek the cause. And again, the cause of that cause, till of necessity, he must come to this thought at last, that there is some cause whereof there is no former cause, but is eternal, which is it men call God. <laughs> okay. So that is, is impossible to make any profound inquiry into natural causes without being inclined thereby to believe there is one God eternal, though they cannot have any idea. Hold on. Uh, they cannot have any idea of him in their minds answerable to his nature. For as a man that is born blind, hearing men talk of warming themselves by the fire and being brought to warm himself by the same, may easily conceive and assure himself there is something which men call fire and is the cause of the heat he feels, but cannot imagine what it is like, nor have an idea of it in his mind such as they have that see it. So also by the visible things of this world and their admirable order, a man may conceive there is a cause of them which men call God and yet not have an idea or image of him in his mind. Okay, now, I don't know enough about Hobbes to say whether he's trying to bring some sort of proof of God's existence or just articulating like this intuition. I think it's similar to what we were saying in the Rambam about how anyone who's searching for knowledge accepts the fact that there is an underlying reality that they're searching for, and they may not identify that with God, but that's the that's a, a first existence, you know, and that is some level of recognition of God uh, that's just the foundation of all scientific endeavors, you know. So I thought that was a good expression of that. Right. right. Yeah. Okay, so that's the Obdevo Zara. That's Gimel. Dalid is Ram al-Kogoyim Hashem al-Shaman Hashem is above all nations. Above the nations is his glory. Um, so there the Radak said that that um, is uh, referring to the fact that the um, – sorry – that um, the heavens and the angels praise God and he's above them. Okay. Uh, okay. That is the first half of the parak. Okay. Then we said that the pivot is really five and six. Okay. And you'll notice those of you who pay attention to colors, I actually switched the colors here. I made the pivot green because it makes sense. If the first half is yellow and the second half is blue, then the, the middle part is, is green. So I was imagining seeing. Uh, yeah. Um, so this is the pivot because it's talking about Hashem's loftiness still, but now it's talking about how he relates to everything else. So who is like Hashem, our God, who raises himself to sit on high, who lowers himself to see in the heavens and on the earth. So that's Hashem is up, but he lowers himself to see heavens, earth, up and down. Okay. Then it switches to talking about what God does. He raises the poor from the dust, from the dung heap he will raise up the destitute, to seat him among nobles with the nobles of his people. He transforms the barren woman into a home. She will become a happy mother of sons, praise God. And the Radak said that basically it is uh, changing the social status, well, socioeconomic status, uh, and then that's seven and eight. And then, um, and not just changing it, but in other words, not just saving the poor, but making him into a noble, and the noble of his people, which uh, we could go through tomorrow's questions later. And then uh, the second one, uh, or the last puzzle, is uh, is changing nature, something that is impossible to happen, like she can't give birth, and now she's having kids. Okay. So we said, what's the theme of the first half? It's God's exaltedness and, uh, and everyone recognizing that. And then the second half is uh, God's actions. So how did we unify it last time, or what are we going to unify this time? This is what we have to sharpen now. Right, so I mean, the fact that he can, uh, like, upset the uh, natural order of things, whether that be, like, in the social realm, yeah. or, like, in physical, like, nature. Yeah. So the fact that he can undo that or is indicative of his loftiness. Okay, good, right, because only someone who is, only someone, only the being who is the creator and who is 
you know, uh, uh, so great and lofty can make such changes. Yeah. Okay. So that was what we had last time. Okay. But the question is, is there more and what is the more? And just to, to push us a little bit more, we have to remember number one, this is a hakdama to according to the Radak. Okay. So just keeping that in mind. Number two, we kind of asked, I think someone asked this last time, why these examples, you know, like, Radak helped us out by saying categorically, it's like, you know, the, uh, these um, uh, societal circumstances and then the, the changing nature. But is there something more about these examples that like, you know, is, uh, is, is, is particular, you know, like, you know, making barren women have kids. That's like, God has a reputation for that. I actually, you know? just, I actually just realized something about that. Yeah. Um, if, if it's referencing Hannah, Hannah yeah. was a barren woman who had kids. Like maybe it was, that, that was what I was saying. Rindy said, "Yeah, that, that was what led us to the." Oh, yeah. Uh, the, oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. So that that that's yeah. what I was thinking. Sorry, about. I missed that. I, yeah, I missed that. That was that, that was the transition that Rindy had said. Yeah, but it's also it's not only Hana, right? I mean, mm. oh, I was wondering by the way, did she, yeah. did she have more than one kid? No, no I don't think not the public says. I think yeah. So then I don't think this is even talking literally about Hana, yeah. but you know, could be talking about <laughs> Rachel or Leah or. Uh, right. uh, not Sara either. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Just to, can you almost say that like the pair could be going like the exact opposite way? I don't know. It might be saying the same thing, but like the way you're saying it is that, you know, there's like a God who's very exalted and, and praiseworthy and yeah. only that person will be able to do these things. Yeah. You can almost like flip it and say the person who's able to do these things is worthy of being praised in that way. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, that order, but uh-huh. yeah, I, yeah. I guess I guess the reason why I was assuming it the other way is because that's the order it presented in. Yeah. But uh, let's think about that for one second, uh, and, and and let's think about whether it is the same or not. Um, so the see, okay, I, I I I disagree, but not. I don't know if it's because of the parak, meaning that the reason why God is great is not because He's doing these particular things. Like his right. greatness is beyond that and yeah. then extends to this. Right. But like those are the things that sort of enable us to like at least uh, like somewhat comprehend the capacity of it. Like if, if his greatness were only in a way that we had no way of yeah. perceiving it, that didn't relate to us. Yeah. It would be too abstract. I hear. I hear. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that I think makes sense. Uh, and I think that that's going to be something about this, uh, the, the theme here. And, and here's just to push us a little bit more for the theme is the emphasis on the high and the low about God and about these people, I think is very significant mm-hmm. that who is like a of God who raises himself to sit on height yet he lowers himself to see in the heavens and on earth. And then these are, the, he raises the poor from the dust, mm-hmm. you know, and from the dust, he raised this and puts him among the nobles. So again, he is seated on high and he looks down, he takes the person from down and he seats him on high. Like, I think that's like, you know, uh, there's there's a greater parallel being drawn other than the fact that, like, God could do these things. That seems stylistic to me. Uh, so I, I, I wonder that also, but I think it's more than stylistic. Okay. Uh, like, it just seems like a nice way to write. It is a nice way to write, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to throw something out there just because we, we have, like, 15 minutes. Um, the uh, So I, I think – I'm trying to think here. 
I don't remember if if uh, if Rindy came up with this or if I came up with this, but then we both associated to Rabbi Sachs, okay, <laughs> to Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs. And I think Rabbi Sachs says this a lot. The first time I saw it, though, is in this excellent essay. If I could recommend one essay from Rabbi Sachs, it'd be this one. It's in his Haggadah. I don't know if it appeared there first, uh, called Building a Society of Freedom, okay? And I want to read uh, this at least one paragraph here. He says, so he talks about the fact that Israel did not introduce monotheism to the world. Okay, there were other people who, I mean, that's what he says, that there were other people who had uh, monotheism. But he says, yeah, there can be no doubt that the religion of ancient Israel was one of the most stunning transformations ever wrought in humanity's moral imagination, never more so than in the fact of the Exodus itself. Here's the here's the key part. Actually, I think Rindy did say this because Rindy's the uh, historian. And he, he, he made this point on his own. Mm-hmm. In antiquity, the gods were on the side of the established power. They underwrote the reign of kings, emperors, and princes, an idea revived in Europe in the Middle Ages in the form of the doctrine of the divine right of kings. Rulers ruled because they were gods or children of gods or prime intermediaries between gods and mankind. They held sway on earth for the same reason as the sun did in the sky. There was an order on earth as in heaven by which the strong ruled the weak and the power was the guarantor of order. That God, uh, sorry, that God, creator of heaven and earth, might intervene in history to liberate slaves was ultimately unthinkable. Thus, a paradox was born, which ever since has inspired men and women to break the chains of their oppression. That true power is distinguished by its concern for the powerless. That greatness is measured by the ability to hear the cry of the otherwise unheard, the weak, the vulnerable, the widow, the orphan, the stranger. And that freedom is not worthy of its name unless we find it means freedom for all. Um, So uh, hold on just one second here. Uh, And then he has another good way of saying it. Uh, yeah, just wanted, I'm trying to sift out what is because um, uh, this is really an essay about ethics. Uh, yeah, here we go. It is truly no coincidence that the patriarchs and Moses himself at the time of his call were shepherds who spent long stretches of time alone tending their flocks in the silence of hills and fields. It was to them that God was revealed. Uh, not as something seen, but as a presence heard, a voice, a call, if I were. This was a God radically unlike the deities of myth, who were for the most part personified forces of nature, the sun, the sea, the, the rain, the storm. The God of Abraham and Moses created and transcended nature. He was therefore in the purest sense free and summoned mankind to a similar freedom, no longer bound as were the gods uh, of myth to a particular place, culture, and social order. He taught those who heard his voice to realize for the first time that existing social structures were not written into the fabric of the universe. They were, they were human creations and could, under divine guidance, be replaced by a more just and equitable dispensation. Above all, the realization that God was, a, was singular and alone gave unprecedented dignity <gasps> to my pages. I just flipped my hand <laughs> to the human person, singular and alone. For the first time, it became possible to uh, conceive that every human life has sanctity, uh, that we all carry within us a fragment of the divine. Cost for shalom. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Um, but uh, so, so the way that um, that Rindy um, uh, pointed it out is, he said that, and this is this is something that you need a historian to say. Like, we take it so for granted in because we're in America, which is built on freedom and meritocracy and like capitalism. That if you're poor, you can like get out of it, you know. But I was reading a thing that like, um, I mean, maybe this was Alter's, Robert Alter's translation of Mishlei. And he said that, you see, we see Pesukim, uh, Shlomo, uh, that Shlomo wrote saying that if you're diligent, you can make wealth. And we're like, yeah, of course. Well, but like, we don't appreciate how, you know, uh, how 
they viewed a person's social status as like a permanent feature of the universe, you know, and uh, as permanent as a barren woman, you know, and to the point where like Aristotle, you know, who on the one hand recognized all human equality in the sense that they all desire knowledge also held that slaves were inherently different than free men and that their nature was inferior, you know. So like, I, I think that, that uh, when, I, when, when, when we realize this idea, I think that is the idea that's being like uh, reflected in this changing of social statuses uh, and that therefore it is more than just a, um, a, a like poetic, um, like stylistic thing that's saying that the God who is so on high would bother himself to go to a dung heap and lift someone out of it. That's like an, no ancient God would do that. Like, like the ancient gods are the ones who are, uh, you know, uh, buddy, buddy with Paro and, and with the rich. And if you are poor, it's evidence that God has no care for you, that God doesn't have anything to do with you, you know? And if you're, if you're barren, then you're cursed. I mean, look at the way, like, I mean, again, there's so many examples of this in Judaism, but like, you know, in the ancient world, they looked at a disfigured person and said, you're possessed by demons or you are a devil. We look at a uh, at a person and say this is an expression, you know, you know that this is the work of God, you know that 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 God is uh, is you know this is a reflection of Chachmas Hashem, you know, like it's a completely different you know uh, orientation, and I, I think based on this, just to go back to what Isaac said, I think Isaac, when we first started reading this, we kind of treated it like Kuf Mem Vav, which we did uh, you know earlier. Like the Hashem Matir Asrim, Hashem Zokev Kufuvim, and that was talking about Hashgacha Klalis. But this is talking about about like the extent to which God goes, so to speak, to re- to relate to the downtrodden and to the the dregs of society and 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 change the social order, you know. And I think what this does also, and this is again, I, I'm trying to like talk out the theme here. What this does also is it shows you that. Uh, who is at the top of the social order, you know, or at the top of the order a hierarchy of existence is God himself, because he's the one who is, who is, you know, changing all these things around, you know? So it, it like, and that's kind of like what you were saying is that, that it points to the fact that God is the, um, is the, is, is the Matsui Rishon or is the, uh, you know, cause of everything. Cool. Yeah. So let's try to, on this basis, answer the fourth of Adler's questions of, what effect is this supposed to have on us when we read it? What's the so what question? Because I think I think we were like almost there, you know. Um, and just one more thing, we have to remember also that if this is a hagdama to Yitzhak Mitzrayim, so then we can't ignore why God did this in Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Yeah, well, I mean, if that's the, if that's like what would be. Not the fundamental sort of Judaism, but like one of the big illusion is that uh, you know God's not you know the, like you're saying the social order is not like a given yeah like, part of part of nature right but like it's just uh, you know it's just what happens to be and God is you know way above that right but was he uh, I'll ask uh, I'll ask it in a blunt way was God just rearranging it because he likes uh, to to switch it up every once in a while no, yeah yeah I mean it's 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 a it's teaching us this idea that he's not bound by the social order and he and he had like just to teach us that he has like 
like an idea of like Guru Rasa Shem, that he has the power to. So that's what I'm really wondering about. What I'm wondering about is the point to teach us about God's omnipotence or is some of the, the purpose of Yitzhak Mitzrayim or the justice like Rabbi Sachs was reflecting in the, or saying the essay that's reflected in these examples, is that part of the main idea, you know? Uh, meaning like that, that the social order shouldn't be a certain, the way. It yeah. Have yeah. Like for, for example, and this is where you see a difference between this and Shiraz Khanna. So Shiraz Khanna says, you know, the barren woman gets kids and the woman who has kids loses them, mm-hmm. you know, or like Hashem is Mamis and Mechaye, you know, Morish Umashir. So that really seems to be much more like a pure Gvura idea that God is does whatever or is the cause of whatever happens. This is specifically like taking people in a low state and uh, lifting them up, you know. And and again, that as the Hagdama to Batesi Shramim where God did it in order to establish, you know, um, to fulfill the promise to the Avos because they value Diaz Hashem and Chesed Tzedakah Mishpat and like to show Paro and Mitzrayim Kiani Hashem B'Kerav Ha'aretz and in Kamoni B'Chol Ha'aretz and like, and that Paro is not a god and like everyone is, you know, uh, is only servants to Hashem and not servants to Paro. Like, like there were specific ideas being, uh, you know, it was was for a purpose, not just to demonstrate the might, you know? So I just don't know whether that is something we see from this parak and like that's part of the effect that's supposed to have on us mm-hmm. or 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 if it is like what you're saying and it's just uh just the gavura and like the re- reality of the only social order sorry the, i keep calling it social order the only um uh order of reality that matters is god's hierarchy and uh and the human hierarchies don't are not mm-hmm. are not real they're just illusory yeah i think it seems like it makes sense it's adding that the the second idea that you're saying, because like, I guess like you pointed out, it doesn't Ooh. say the other way. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, I'm saying, all right, I think I got it. I have to ask tomorrow's question first. Okay. okay. So tomorrow's question. So we read the Radak uh, with the Nidive Amo. This is in uh, Ches. Okay. So Lahoshivi. Shemerim Osam Not only does he lift them from their lowliness, to the point where he puts them with the divim, because they are higher than all the other nations, but so some raton hakel in doing God's will. Okay. And also in the future, uh, above all the peoples. So Tamara asked, um, I'm not clear on what the Radak is saying in the second line. Who are these Nadivim? Are they people who are extra capable of doing the will of God because they're nobles? Meaning, let's say, like the rich or something, or are they righteous people or something else? Also, uh, are the nobles being compared to nations here, or does this phrase mean something else? Right? Because Amim usually does mean nations, but also means peoples. You know, I don't know. And how does the phrase Nadivi, how does this explain the phrase Nadivi Amo? And how do you translate Vechen Yihul Asid? So maybe you got it. No. Okay. <laughs> You're just lending me your, yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, so maybe the order here is that Yediyas Hashem and Raton Hashem and Avde Hashem, like all that thing, that's the real social order. Mm-hmm. And that's reflected in the um, first half based on the hierarchy of Yediyas Hashem. Right that you have the, well, really you have the angels and the heavenly hosts 
and then the Chachamim, and then the average people, and then the Obdei of Zara, all recognizing God, and that's a hierarchy that exists within Yidiyas Hashem. And then here he's saying that this person is being lifted up from uh, poverty in order to be in the class of people who are best capable of doing Ratzon Hashem. You know, now I know I can't answer all of tomorrow's questions right now in terms of like, why aren't they even better able to do that? But that's the point. Radak is infusing this idea with the notion that they're being enabled to do Ratzon Hashem. And that really is like what we hold ultimately is the purpose of tzedakah. Like you're trying to rehabilitate the person so that they can be a fully functional telemelechim and like serve God, not just like to, you know, have uh, so they can have like cigars and caviar, you know? Um, so I'm wondering if there's something, something like that. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't feel uh, fully uh, like it came together, but um I mean, certainly, the, uh, let's just uh, answer the question, though, in terms of the effect that this is supposed to have on you. What should you be thinking and feeling when you read this or as a result of reading this is I think what you're supposed to do is realize that there are a bunch of social orders that you look at that are like this. You know, now, not as immutable as the primitive uh, world, you know, uh, worldview from back then. But like we definitely view, you know, like, you know, this is an unpopular idea, but I'll say because the Naveem said it. I feel like, you know, I feel like people in Israel, if you told them anything about like how maybe we could lose Israel again and get kicked out again, they would burn you alive. You know, like, like, they're like, no way, no way, you know, but that's exactly the whole thing of the Nabiim like said. Yeah, that's happened the first time and the second time. And then, you know, that, that's the, uh, like, like, like there's, they're like, no, Israel is on top, you know, or like the people in America here. America's the greatest country it's gonna last forever you know and uh like I found out uh fairly recently like a couple years ago and I don't remember who said which numbers but the founding fathers basically held that America might last for 15 years or sorry 50 years or like maybe 100 or 120 Mm -hmm. uh and like the fact that they didn't even think it was gonna last um this long and and I remember one of them I forgot how the timing worked out one of them made the prediction that America was going to last for X amount of years. And like, that was the year of the great depression. Like, like it ended up being like that. So people who knew about that must've been freaking out, you know, but, um, but there are, you know, so there, there's that there's like, uh, you know, in pre- people's personal lives of the, you know, viewing themselves as uh, poor or disabled or, or rejected. And like just recognizing that the things that you view as immutable are not immutable and they're also not even the real underlying social order. The real underlying social order is whatever Ratzon Hashem is, you know? Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean? Right. Is Yedias Hashem and Yiras Hashem and Ratzon Hashem? It's you know? not a so- social order, but it doesn't sound like a social order. So it, ultimately, it will be a social order, though, because the uh, <laughs> it's like would you describe the Ramos palace allegory as a social order? <laughs> right. And that's like based on, you know, in other words, the, the real, and the real social order in Kali also is, is, you know, is based on Chachma and Avodah Sashem, like, right. you know, you right. know, um, and like, and, uh, and there's mobility there too. It's not like it's a, uh, you're born with it, you're stuck with it, but that, that's the real, the real social order revolves around the Ratzon Hashem, you know? Can I ask a question on this? Yeah. If we're talking about this as like a, like 
spiritual relationship to God type hierarchy, then are we saying that God is still responsible for like raising these people or are they raising themselves? Well, in these examples, it sounds like God is raising these people. How he's doing it is clear in the uh, the barren woman case, because that's like definitely through some sort of Hushkaka protest. In the case of the Mikimi Me'afardal, it's unclear whether that is like through, for example, commanding us in the midst of, of Sadaka or like some other some other thing that I'm not sure about. But either way, the purpose of a social order is to facilitate residence. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I still I still don't feel like we have it for sure. I want to see by the time we get to Thursday if it's worth spending more time on it or moving on to something else. And the, the good news is is we do say this in Hallel, you know. So it's like we have all uh, you know. Hopefully, you know, God willing, we have many many more opportunities to think this over and to refine it, you know. So uh, I, that makes me feel less bad about if 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 we say that we've got eighty percent of this, but we're moving on, you know. Okay. All right. So let's stop here for today. Wait, okay. Rabbi. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to say, I wasn't here when you guys started this, but would you say that like the part in yellow and then the part in blue, to me, it just kind of seems like it really reminds me of like how in AP English, we would talk about how things are structured and how yeah. like, obviously the first part seems like it's setting everything up kind of like you need a foundation in order to actually understand how Hashem operates, like obviously as much as we can. Yeah. So would you say that like the first part is really just a foundation and then it gets like more in depth of how Hashem actually does that and like in the blue. Yes, I, I would say that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's why it's so particularized. Yeah. All right. All right I got to stop just because uh, I got to clear out for another year. <laughs> All right. See ya. Have a good night. Thank you. Yep. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewas at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.